Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Kevin Lee with us today, and Kevin has quite a bit of experience with everything from senior living and short-term rentals, but we're going to be talking about short-term rentals here today as he owns 35 of them in the Sacramento, California, which is quite a few. I haven't, I don't know if I've run into many people with that many short-term rentals at one time, Kevin. So this will be interesting discussion regarding scaling and a few other things, but you can find him on Instagram. Look for the insightful Kevin Lee, and I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but really appreciate your time here, Kevin. Hey, thank you so much, Jack, for inviting me to your podcast. And I would like to add value to your listeners. It's an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. And so let's just start things off. It sounds based on what I've read is that you've had some experience in a variety of real estate investing opportunities. Like what made you just focus on the niche of short-term rentals? I just stumbled upon it like three years ago. Believe it or not, I'm still like active in real estate. We're really just a fix and flip shop and we do a lot. Right now we have six projects going on. And I have two crew of contractors working on those. Just briefly explain the business is we buy distressed properties from homeowners. And these properties can either come from them or from realtors, wholesalers, just relationship that we have established over the years. And then we just go in and improve upon these properties. And then we have two buckets. One is to just dispose them, just put them back on the market after we have value. Right. The second bucket is to just, just put that into our rental portfolio. If you don't know this, uh, I'm sure there's in the coastal states like California, the rent to a price ratio doesn't really make any sense. Hmm. Do you know about the 1% rule? Oh yeah. We speak yeah. on that quite a bit. Yeah. So it, it's, you need to buy for you to get $1,000 of rent, right? Your, the house that you need to buy needs to be $100,000 or less. In California, it's not possible for us, right? There's no houses that's like worth $100,000. If you go to the Bay Area, houses there are like at least $1 million or about. So how do you right. cash flow in this high price market, right? So we thought about just growing that passive income with real estate. And we want to do it in our market. So we like just a short-term rental a run. Yeah. So that was three years ago. And we just bring one on the market, list it on Airbnb and Verbal. We have success doing that. And the rest is history. And now we become like the primary data for AirDNA. So if they pull data on this particular market, most of the properties on the platform is really just our properties. So it's almost like the demand or the supply or the product is driving the demand, if you will. We created the demand for this market. And we don't, we're, we're so surprised by the demand as well. We would have known that people would actually travel to Sacramento, but there's like different people that come through. We have people like contractors and recently there's been fires. So we have utility companies that book with us or people who are displaced by fire. 
and uh, that come to us and then they book with us for like three to six weeks or more, more than a couple of weeks. So we have those uh, people as well. People come through for wedding, anniversary, kids, graduation, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Oh, do you find, are you targeting longer stays or is it just something that's happening here and there? We started to target longer stay, and this is like a function of seasonality as well. As we go into the low, lower season, the not so popular season, like in the fall, winter time, we use this um, pricing tool called Price Labs. So 30 days, 60 days out, we would really just discourage people from booking with us shorter term anywhere for three to five days algorithm will just make it so that it costs you more. It costs you less actually on a nightly, nightly rate basis to book with us five days or about 30, 60 days out. Yeah. So there, there's some artificial intelligence or algorithm that you can play with so that you can actually encourage people to book with us or to purchase certain products from you. It's almost like you want to products that you want to sell near the cashier's shelves, right? So that people tend to pick out these items on their way out of the cashier. So that's where we're playing with people's psychology a little bit. Yeah. yeah. No, it's amazing how the, those algorithms work and how that actually does work like that. It's, and it allows people to book their travel around that as well. I'm sure. Yeah. If they yeah. know they can get like a, essentially an extra day for a rough, just a hair more than what they would normally, they'll take advantage. Exactly. Right. So the idea is to provide incentives for them so that they can change their, their plan around like booking, which is a big component of their travel. Right. Have you found that you mentioned the 1% rule? Have you found that you meet or exceed that now using the short-term rental model yeah. in your area? Uh, it's more two to three times of what we can typically get if mm -hmm. we were to rent out our properties to long-term tenants. So are you hitting that 1% with this then, or how does that look? Way above that. And as a matter of fact, I think we, we get the best part of two worlds, right? We get the cash flow, right. we also get appreciation. If you were to invest in Midwest, you only get cash flow. Wild properties that don't appreciate as fast as properties in the coastal states. Yeah. Have you been surprised as to what amenities you might have to provide compared to? Yeah, I've been surprised by this and uh, we realize this we evolve as we go is swimming pool is super, super popular. Oh, really? Oh, just before in the beginning, we tried to stay away from homes that have swimming pool because that has an extra layer of liability. You know, what if, and you have to put guardrails around the swimming pool as well, like a sign as well, that there's no lifeguards on duty so that you can remove yourself from all the liabilities that can possibly happen to you. We didn't know about the popularity of swimming pool until like we, again, stumble upon this house and we say, why don't we just purchase this house with the pool? Yeah. And then see how you, how it turned out. And yeah, it just turned out really successful. So it, you, with the swimming pool, you said you got to put a fence around it. Do you have to put a, is that something that is unique to your short-term rentals? You have to do that? Or is that just something that you have to do if you have a swimming pool? Oh, it's more, if you want to sell your house down the road and if you don't have like guardrails or fence around the swimming pool, it's going to get called out during inspection. Okay. This can cause the buyers to 
have doubts on buying this house without it, buyers can actually request you to give them credit on putting out the fence or get the fence or the guardrails stalled around the pools in order to go through the purchase. But it's also for the, for the peace of mind that you want to give it to potential guests that's going to book with you. If they have babies like toddlers and they mm-hmm. want to do that, they don't really just walk into the pool and drown themselves. You want to have those mechanisms, safety mechanisms in place. Yeah. Sure. Okay. No, that makes sense. With the, all that being said, okay, so let me follow this. If you're doing mostly fix and flipping, but then you will hold on and on a, to a few of these and turn them into short-term rentals. Exactly. Have you found, based on your what you've mentioned before, it sounds like you're mostly now working on managing your business versus the being in the thick and thick of things, if I'm fair in saying that. How have you found basically doing some of this passively in the form of getting the right people in place. So for turnover and a few other things, that part of your business. I think that it's super important to find the right people and place them in the right seat. Right. And you're, you'd be lucky if you find that right person the first time. I actually go through many people to find the right executive assistant who is able to replace me and represent on behalf of me in all the businesses that we're involved in. She is a jack of all trades. She does bookkeeping. She manages claims. Every time like guests break something, she has to file claims with Airbnb that that's, Hey, I need to get an invoice from the handyman. If we need to order, for example, people pee on the pillows, right? You would never imagine that people get to do that. So we had to restart those pillows because those pillows are not usable and they smell like people. So she does actually book it or purchase it from Amazon. We have a list of things that we buy in the past. So like a system, right? So we don't really need to just like shop around and do this thing all over again. Sheets, towels, soap. So it's the same thing that we order, toaster, coffee maker. Uh, if things break, she, she coordinates that with the cleaners. There's also four properties that's got pool and people will ask for concierge service. They pay $70 and we have our pool guy go there to turn on the spot for them. She coordinates with the pool guy. If people do order that service, for example, and pay the 75, $70, she gets an email and then she would notify the pool guy to go there yeah. on the day of check-in. Me, me and greet the guest and turn on the spot for yeah. Okay. Interesting. With all of that, you have 35 short-term rentals in three years. Did you find it difficult to be placed accordingly on Airbnb? There's so many Airbnb rentals these days that it almost seems a little daunting to be standing out from the crowd. Oh yeah, absolutely. Industry has changed. It has become more competitive. And it's almost, how do I say, you want to, you want to just become the next Tesla, right? Everybody, when Tesla got into the EV market, right? Tesla was the only, and now you have Rivian, now you have a GM, now you have Lucid and all these EV car makers or wannabe EV car makers, they tried to get into the market. 
Apple, they're trying to do something there too. And social media is crowded with gurus. They want to, they have two, three, four, and then they started teaching people how to do this, right? And how to do arbitrage, which is another way of making money on short-term rentals. You would sign a lease with a landlord. Obviously, you had to get the landlord to agree to allow you to sub-lease, right? And then you would just list your property on platforms and then make the difference, if you will. So if you pay the, the rent of 1000 and you're able to make $2,500 on Airbnb, your spread is $1,500. And you can very quickly scale business that way because you don't need to purchase a property like we do. The pros of purchasing a property is control. We did one property where we did the arbitrage and the landlord changed his mind after he extended the lease with us for one more year. He said, Hey, I'm going to break the lease right now because the market was doing so well. I just want to sell and then cash out. So that's something that you need to consider when you do like arbitrage is you don't really have control of the underlying asset as much as you have the lease agreement, some party will break it. And yeah, you, you have to suffer the consequences of it. Thank God that we have operated that one party for one, more than one year. So we had recuperated expenses that we incur from purchasing the furniture, staging the property and so on and so forth. Do you do quite, do you do that quite a bit where you're leasing the property and then turning it into an Airbnb? Never. I, I don't feel comfortable having that conversation with the landlord. I feel like this is like a deceit, just trick to get landlord to, I'm not really the tenant, for example. So the way that you get around that is you tell the landlord that I'm just going to do corporate rental. It's going to be my company, right? Renting it out from you. And we're going to have our employees and whatnot that's going to come through and then live here. And then we'll make sure that the property is in top condition. We'll, we'll take care of the property, you know, better than your traditional tenant. Right. Yeah. Since you've been doing this for three years now, what's the biggest mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Oh, there's so many mistakes. You know how it is so difficult to screen tenants and people have like different intentions and they don't really tell you in the very beginning. I have people, just me and my, my boyfriend coming for a celebration anniversary. We didn't know this and they booked with us for one day. And it's actually 20 plus people that come to crash oh. our house through a party and stuff. Neighbor call and say, Hey, you guys are, are too loud. Can you just calm down? And I had to drive to the property and I didn't see two people there. I saw 20 plus people just making a party scene. I say, Hey, this is not what you told me in the message channel. You told me that it's just the two of you. And then I see two, 20 people here. Okay. And I already told you that this is a no party zone, right? And you need to respect the curfew. Basically after 10 o'clock, you need to be quiet, respect the neighbors and so forth. They didn't do that. They lied, lied to us. And that is something that we didn't know before. I wouldn't say it's a mistake, right? It's just something that sticks with the crowd. And we have a system in place that prevent that from happening. Like noise aware sensor that would be triggered. The noise um, hits or goes above a certain threshold. I actually get mm -hmm. a message. My my assistant actually gets one too, and then we will call the guests and tell them to like, hey, you need to bring your music down. And we also have external cameras, spring cameras that we place in the front and the back of the house, so we know like how many people come through. 
for example. If you say two people, I see 10 people, right, that come into the house for a party, uh, we call Airbnb or Rubble right away. We will call local authority as well, just to come there to help us out to, we'll cancel the reservation immediately. And then we call law enforcement to break out the party and then just have them leave. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So it sounds like you've pretty much made this automated for the most part. How involved, directly involved are you now with these? Uh, I'm still pretty involved in getting a property online. I have a virtual assistant who will take care of the backend stuff for me. But when we bring a property online, I do have my manager. He helps me getting a property online. My task there is to really just approve the furniture that we're going to have in a home. And we have the same kind of skews, right? You know, what sofa to get, you know, what beds to get, the most are queen size beds, carpet, the rug, and, and the um, office desk, nice stands, coffee table, the end table. Yeah, all these, the dining table, the chairs, all, all these things. We get it from Wayfair and there's actually a shopping list that's saved for most homes. We have different varieties of sofa, depending on the size of the home as well, that we can okay. just from, it's just almost like our, um, our palette. And then just right. on the size of the home, we just get those from there. So I have to approve that too. I go to the home and I look at it and then I spend about an hour, right. And then I just get the older. And then I have a guy that I call to go there and assemble the furniture once they arrive. And then my, my manager, he would just do the other half, basically ordering stuff from Amazon, like sheets, towels, toilet paper, and the condiments, right? All these things. And then he would coordinate that with the cleaners and just get the house staged. He would decorate the house with the wall arts, with fake plants and air fresheners, so on and so forth, make it cozy. And then uh, he would help me write in the descriptions for the home. For the listing and then uh, the next thing is to just play online it's like a what a king effort and i'm just like a part of that equation okay so could you break down like you you mentioned you're in S- sacramento is there certain thing places within sacramento you're looking out for houses in specific parts and what are you is it are primarily nearing shopping or different venues or what have you found is the best areas I for your short terms? Near the airport. Okay. It's very good. I would say downtown because there's a lot of actions, activities happening in downtown. And I would say midtown, which is not too far from downtown. That's where the stadium, where the Sacramento Kings are playing the basketball team. Okay. Playing over there. And we have aftershock which is, I don't know, the rock band concert event that happens every October. So all the venues and all the hotels, they're booked out in advance. So are our properties. So you want to be close to Discovery Park, you know, that, that venue, it's, it's a three-day event. The, the closer you are, the, the, the more you can charge during that three-day event. I wouldn't, I would stay away from the ghettos, if you will. You know, neighborhood, you think that. You wouldn't would want to put your family, right? And there's no guests that would like to travel there. So we basically filter by the location. This is a suburban neighborhood with a good school district. We put guest safety as our top 
Yeah. So if I can't imagine myself living there or staying there, I wouldn't put my guests there as well, put their life in danger. Okay. And can you tell us a little bit about your best producing property then on the, where is it located? How is it produced? How is it running? And did it surprise you? Yeah. So it's still surprising me every day, like a property that I would think that is not going to generate as much income. He ended up generating a lot more like in South Natoma's area. We have one there that's close to downtown, but the property get, get beat up a lot. Like in the sense that people come through, we have so many people that come and book with us. We hardly have a chance of just bringing it down and then getting the right repair. And we're still getting bookends left and right. And people are still leaving good comments for us in that particular property. There's another one south of Sacramento. That one is very close to the hospital. I'm sure that we get a lot of travel nurses that come through and we've been trying to get it offline. Every time we try to do it, get, it gets booked. Obviously we don't want to cancel any bookings because that's going to bring bad reputation to us. So we just let it, let them book. And so hopefully when fall comes to when the season popularity dies down a bit, we're going to bring these down so that we can actually do the, the renovation or improvement to these properties. So they have a fresh look. So they've been running for two or three years and there's like the typical wear and tear, right? The baseboard, they like maybe chipped paint, right? Interior paint, there's like scratches or like just nice. smudges. So we need to repaint the inside, make it look good. Some light bulbs, may, maybe electrical issues with the outlets and so forth. So we need to like bring them down and then just refurbish them before we put them back online again. So do you find that you get a different, I don't even want to call them tenants, a different person or yeah. a different quality yeah. person when you have it all updated and refreshed like that? Oh yeah. Wait, wait, different. I would say clientele. So like in Roseville, it's more like up end. So we get families over there, but in downtown, we get young people, we get the young professionals book with us. So definitely mm -hmm. clientele and people know they want to stay here because of activities, actions, or because this is a suburban area. I would just want to be left alone. I don't want to be bothered. And there's actually a property that's by the river too. And people come to Sacramento for kayaking in the summer. So it's very popular. We got the American river. So that property is like right next to the river. It's, it's about five minutes away. We have people that book with us just for that reason. They want to come, they want to do one day kayak and that's a popular. Okay. Kevin, this has been a great conversation. Again, I just want to remind everybody insightful Kevin Lee on Instagram. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But I have a few rapid fire questions for you if you're ready to give them a try. Sure, let's do it. It seems like everybody that I talk to when it comes to real estate investing, we all have run into these real estate investing promises or myths. What is one of those real estate investing myths do you want to bust right now? I would say that, uh, yeah, there's so many gurus out there. There's ones I've been told they have not done deals in a while. They make education just like their bread and butter, right? They don't really do any deals anymore. I would say if you want to be coached by somebody, definitely go with somebody working in the trenches in the market right now. Don't pay somebody $30,000, $50,000, right? Without getting any value from the person. Ultimately, you don't want to be <laughs> in a hole, right? Because you could have 
easily spend that money on marketing, right? Direct mail stuff to get your first deal, right? Then paying somebody 35 and then spend another 20,000 on marketing before you actually get the first deal. So do it. And I would say go to a local RIA, right? Real estate investment group and just network with like-minded individuals, wholesalers, realtors, hard money lenders, people who you think can help you to get there, whatever that goal may be. Yeah. Great advice. So you're not allowed to say rich dad, poor dad, but what book would you recommend everybody check out? So I'm recently like going over this book. It's called Five Second Rule. Yeah. I want to say the author is Mel Gibbons. Yeah. I saw her speak actually locally at one of our, my events. Yeah. So yeah. it's about just like tricking your mind into taking action. You got five seconds and as you count down five, four, three, two, one, go. Okay. So basically take away the doubts and fear and the procrastination that you will have in five seconds, right? To make a decision, to take action, to call your lender, to call whoever that you, to wake up, right? Instead of pushing that snooze button, right? So that's how like she changed her life, right? From this person like that was in a rut to somebody who is like super successful and so motivational to so many people. I think that works and I've been practicing it like since I started reading that book like four or five days ago and definitely changing my life as little as it may seem, but it works. Yeah, it does work. And I, after seeing her, I started doing it to a certain extent as well. And then we even joke around my house a little bit about it because we'll go five, four, Oh, what the hell? And then get to it. So, <laughs> I loved it. So uh, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received is to just do it. I'd be afraid and just take action, be decisive, right? The best decision that you can make is, is to make the decision. Right. Uh, the worst decision you can make is not to make any decision. Right. Break that terror barrier or that fear and just do it. And help is always there. If you're looking for it, the universe will give it to you. How about the worst piece of advice you received? That I don't have any worse other than the fact that I see people having this scarcity mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey. I want to dominate in this market. So I'm not going to tell you my secrets, my tricks, you know, how I do this and how I do that. So I stay away from those people. I'm a person of just an abundance mindset. You want to pick my brain. I'll tell you, tell you my secrets. I'm 1% open book, right? Cause, cause I've worked with people who actually come back after they pick my brain. These are the people that bring deals to the right. future. So it's all about paying forward uh, and establishing good connections and relationships that way. And it has been work for me, working out really well for me. And yeah. Okay, cool. And if you could go back in time to give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? I say start. I wish I could have started this journey. Like when I was in my twenties, like mid twenties, I spent like 10 years, right. In pursuing my PhD in computer science, like all my thirties, I was in school. But I think the society has put so much value in our education system. Our education system is really just to put you on track to become a very good W2 employee. There's also 
other ways for you to learn the school of hard knocks, right? And that's the best way to learn, to have experience. The textbook don't tell you anything other than theories, but you go out there, make deals happen, right? You get so much. I still remember the first deal that I did, right? I will be happy to just break even and then pay that education, right? But not only did I not break even, I made money. I, I learned so much too. So it's almost like free education plus stipend, right? Or bonus that you get as a result of getting that education. Sure. Yours, the school system doesn't do that to you. You, at the end of four years, you're probably in, you know, more debt than ever. And you got to pay that, pay back that debt at 30 to, I don't know, 50% of your salary goes to, to pay the taxes. Yeah, I would just encourage the younger crowd to really just take risk to pursue that dream right before you're too old and can't really do anything. Sure. And always have that mind to absorb or be a sponge to just taking like new information to be learning all the time. Kevin, this was great. One last time, insightful Kevin Lee. You can find him on Instagram and I'll make sure that link is in the show notes. But Kevin, is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today? No, I think this is good. Very well run, very comprehensive. Thank you so much, Jeff. For this yeah, stuff. it was great chatting with you. You're welcome back. And one last time, insightful Kevin Lee. So thank you, Kevin. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jack. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.